Okay, we're back on the air. Maybe people in the chat room can hear us. Okay, uh, all right, Michael, uh, 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 give me a a sound check real quick. Yes, let's test. Hello, everybody hear me? Okay, that, uh, all right, uh, that's much clearer. I, I changed the setting. So can you hear us in the chat room? Okay. So let's see if, because uh, you know, this worked yesterday. And let's see. Okay, yeah, Bavarian says yes, now they hear. Okay, I changed the setting and uh, it's now working. All right, folks. So uh, anyway, th- that is the um, website for Carl Klang's music on archive.org which uh, you can download and or play off the uh, internet. Uh, very good. And uh, thank you, everybody, for uh, confirming that we're on the air. So today we're going to finish off the uh, item by Willie Martin, The Pre-Adamic World. And uh, plus I'm going to do a, a brief intro of Formless and Void. But before not, before we do that, welcome, Michael, who <laughs> we are on the air now. So great. Yeah. Great. How, how are you doing today? Yeah, I'm doing good in, the, in this now spring, summertime in Sweden. It's very nice. It's very nice. Yeah. Okay. Uh, I'm having a little bit of an issue with you fading in and out, but it's not serious. It could be because I'm in a very rural location in uh, central Kentucky. Uh, broadcasting from my new laptop, but uh, yesterday's show went very well. But uh, you say you, you were having to switch to Gab to do your audio books because uh, BitChute is being censored in Europe. Is that is that the case? Yes, that's the case. My my BitChute channel is is you can't reach it from Europe now. You have to use a VPN or something like that, but you can reach from America. So my American users they hear me in BitChute, but the Swedish one, the Finnish, the Norwegian, they can't find me now. I, I'm in the memory hole in BitChute because uh-huh. I was. They, um, but then also have started using Gab, also and uploading my stuff there with the same the same yeah the same name Nordic Awakening Michael Swede. So you find me there also now. So Very good. we have to, you know, as you know, as I know, we are, we are on a shoestring budget. We don't have money. The only thing we have is time. Yeah, That's the yeah. thing we can put into it. Yeah, and the juice sells the shoestrings. <laughs> you have to pay through the nose to buy shoestrings these days, right? So, but this is a censorship in these, these last days, but we're getting close to the judgment day, folks. So. No worries. We know the scriptures tell us that we win and they lose. Edom shall be as if they had never been. All right. So, but first, before we get into the uh, rest of the pre-Adamic world, I just want to do a real quick intro to the subject uh, from a website called uh, ncse.ngo, which seems to be kind of neutral on the subject, but it's a good intro uh, into the subject. Formless and Void, Gap Theory, Creationism. There are three major types of creationism espoused by fundamentalist anti-evolutionists, each with variants, plus a few less popular types. Of the three major types, strict young earth flood geology, sorry, creation is the best known. 
Indeed, it is often assumed that all creationists are of this type. This type aims to employ the most literal and direct interpretation of Genesis, and st- strictest fundamentalists tend to insist upon it. Flat ex nihilo that out of nothing creation in six 24-hour days about 6,000 or so years ago. And, of course, we in identity do not espouse that. So let's get, get their next uh, their next item here. It takes, however, an extremely stubborn faith to maintain belief in strict young earth creation in the face of the overwhelming and still increasing scientific evidence of the great age of the earth and the universe, not to mention the difficulty of interpreting all geology in terms of a single recent flood, okay? So that's the problem with young earth creationism, which we, you know, have argued against numerous times here on Eurofolk Radio. Next, day-age creationism takes a simple approach to six, quote-unquote, days, yaum, we've covered this in the last two or three episodes, yaum can mean an eon, or an era, doesn't necessarily mean 24-hour days, and there's plenty of arguments against yaum in Genesis chapter 1 being literal 24-hour days. So it says, the six days of creation were not literal 24-hour days, but rather long ages. There are various means of reconciling this interpretation with the biblical account, which need not concern us here. The advantages of this interpretation are obvious. Each creation day can be made as long as necessary, and the successive appearance of forms of life on the fossil record millions of years apart presents no problem. Okay, So there's no conflict between... Uh, the Genesis account and geology, given the the um, uh, long uh, long periods you know, that we espouse here, and and last week I was espousing the recreation theory that the gap between Genesis one one and Genesis one two simply states that there was an unknown period of time between why because the earth was not created formless and void <laughs> it was not created that way there's many other scriptures which tell us well the earth was made uh, with the intention of being habitable so there's something uh, either missing in the genesis account which maybe the jews have re- removed or it's just uh, telling us there, there was a gap there. And, and so a couple more statements here. The gap theory, also known as the ruin-restitution theory, preserves the literal recent six 24-hour day creation, but assumes that the vast ages so well attested to by science occurred prior to this set of events. In other words, Earth and life was created before the creation week of Genesis, this exegesis is accomplished by postulating a tremendous gap between the very first two verses of Genesis into which go all the geological ages. And then the, the recreation of um, uh, Genesis uh, of the earth in Genesis chapter 1. So Genesis 1 is the recreation account. Uh, Genesis 1 1 uh, picks it up from the old era. And Genesis 1-2 picks it up from the current era of creation. So uh, that is essentially what, uh, you know, the gap theory espouses. And, uh, more, and as I said last time, more and more, even mainstream Baptists and other denominations are accepting this as a, at least plausible. But uh, my argument, Michael, is simply that. Since Yahweh created both the universe and wrote the Bible, 
there cannot be any disagreement between the two accounts. They have to agree, right, Michael? Wouldn't that be logical? No. You there, Michael? Yes, I'm here. I'm sorry. I was oh. mute. <laughs> okay. Uh, yeah. yeah. And like this questionable attitude to the Bible is, I guess, that is the root in, in Jewishness. They started to question the Bible, trying to question everything. So all that that is root from from yeah Jew, Jewish Jewish mind. So yeah, of course they have to be in 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 connection with each other. And I also want to say, as you say, that the world was from beginning before Adam came, as as we have talked before. That's the pre-Adamic period when when we were not here because we are the youngest races here on earth so the but the world was in chaos because we weren't here we our job here is to tend the garden to That's take right. care of the, this of this place here so it's not an hellhole to make it god's so god's will be done here on earth that is why we are here we are not yeah. here to having fun going and drinking drinks and pina colada having a good time that's not our work here you're not in america michael <laughs> That's what we do here, <laughs> at least on college campuses for sure, right? Yes, yeah. So, uh, but in in essence, the 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 Genesis one account makes no sense if you assume literal twenty four hour days, because for example, the third day it says the evening and the morning were the third day, but evening for the amount of time, if you're assuming a literal twenty four hour day between evening and morning is only twelve hours. So that can't be a literal 24-hour day. And there's numerous reasons. The, the problem with the uh, six-day, literal six-day creation uh, argument is it does not actually consider the Hebrew meanings of the words that are being employed there. And for uh, Yaum being a perfect example, which can easily mean era instead of a literal 24-hour day. And there's other verses in Scripture that Willie Martin addresses that suggests it was not a literal 24-hour day and that the word yawn can mean ages or uh, an unspecified period of time, all right? So let's pick it up. Let's pick it up in the uh, document which we ha posted in the in the chat room, uh, Microsoft Word, and uh, pick it up, please, from the top of page 10, since God created a perfect universe. This is, again, by Willie Martin. Yeah, now I need to... Oh, the document is in the chat room, I guess. Yes. Well, yeah, I, yeah. I posted two of them in there. And uh, okay. it's also... I will, it, it's also I will download the document I will start reading. So, sorry, yes. I, I was a bit... Uh, um, so, yeah, so, will you start up a bit, Eli, and then yeah, I will... Yeah, yeah I'll start up on page 10. Since God created a perfect universe to begin with, and he uh, documents the, this idea from various other verses in the Bible, like uh, uh, Jeremiah and Isaiah talk about a world before this one, okay, uh, that uh, it was not created to be uh, null and void. It was created to be perfect, but uh, then something happened, namely the fall of Lucifer, <laughs> right, happened, and uh, uh, Lucifer was demoted from being the uh, cherub that covereth down to uh, he was given charge over the earth to see if he could redeem himself by running the earth in a uh, legitimate manner, but he couldn't, and he he he. He ruined everything on earth as well, right? And so this is why 
This is why uh, we're in the situation we're in right now and why Adam and Eve were seduced into ruining their, their DNA. Okay, so he says here, since God created a perfect universe to begin with, the chaos on earth spoken of in Genesis 1-2 cannot be of creation, but of judgment. And since the scriptures speak of Lucifer's rule on the earth and of his subsequent rebellion long, long before the creation of Adam, then the chaotic conditions on earth had to be logically of a later occurrence as a consequence of Lucifer's sin or his fall, his fall, not the fall of Adam and Eve, and that of the angels under his administration on earth. Whether young earth creationists agree with it or not, the six-day work and creation of Adam were occasioned by Lucifer's fall. Lucifer's sin and its consequences were foreseen, and accordingly the six-day plan was conceived. And we're talking six yom in the, the long age creationism, you know, which I have advocated for a long, long time, not the literal 24-hour yom creationism. Okay, so have you got that spot, Michael? Yes. Yeah, okay. Yes, So I'm pick ready. it up as such. Okay. Thank you. So, sorry for my little being a bit, mis- being a bit, uh, yeah, I yeah. wasn't really prepared. Sorry. So, um, as such, it is the world of the angels, animals, plants, and sons of men who once inhabited the earth is what Peter actually talks about as, quote, the world that was then, end of quote. It is in this world that Lucifer and his subject sinned. This sinful world was next destroyed by flood. And that is from Psalms 104, verse 6 to 9. Read with Job 38, verses 10 to 11. The flood referred to here is uh, certainly not Noah's flood. The ordinal dry earth, uh, to begin with, was created to be inhabited. Um, and that is from Isaiah 45, verse 18, and was therefore certainly inhabited before the flood of Genesis 1, verses 2, and the work of the six days uh, culmination with Adam's creation, and that is Genesis 1, verses 3 until 2 and 25, Isaiah 14, verses 12 until 14, Jeremiah 4, 23 and 26, the earth, therefore, was only created with a dry land and was not totally flooded by waters nor covered up with darkness, as in Genesis 1, verses 2, which is a latter condition. Yeah, the earth was not created to be null and void, as it's stated in Genesis 1, verse 2. It was created to be inhabited, okay? So let me open my, my e-sword up as you continue reading. Uh, I'll, I'll check out Jeremiah 4. 23 to 26 as you're reading, please. Yes, thank you. So, as such, on the original earth itself that God created in the beginning, there was a dry land, the habitual part of the earth, Proverbs 8, verses 31, at one place and deep or the depth of the sea, located in some other places, when he gave to the sea his decree that the water should not pass his commandment. When he appointed the foundations of the earth, Proverbs 8, verse 29, in the beginning of his way, it is from where the waters did break the original bound to uh, cover the earth, Genesis 1, verses 2, subsequent to Lucifer's rebellion along with that of his angels and the pre-Adamite men. Mm-hmm. 
Undoubtedly, conditions on Earth in Genesis 1 verses 2 were not the same as that of original creation, but were as such as a result or consequence of sin. Quote, the word cosmos in 2 Peter 3 verses 5 to 7, meaning some form of social system that then was and then destroyed, embraces the whole pre-Adamic Earth to which all fossils and remains belong. The actual findings of science regarding prehistoric animals and mammals, the age of the earth, its rock formations and other facts can be recognized only if we believe the Bible's revelations of pre-Adamite life. End of yeah. quote. Okay, so in Christian identity, in two seed line identity, not uh, non-seed line identity has like a completely different view of Genesis 1 through 4. Okay, but uh, we see the uh, all of the races being created, all of the species being created in Genesis chapter one, because the word there is bara, meaning to create. So, as I explained last week and on other shows, the the word bara is only uh, applied to Yahweh Elohim, the Creator. Okay, that He's the one who creates, and nobody else is able to create. Everything in Genesis 1 was bara created, okay? Genesis 2 is talk, talking about not species, but Genesis 2 is talking about the man Adam, individual, and the woman Eve, an individual, and their placement into the garden and their, and their story in the garden. It's not talking about creating species anymore. That occurred in Genesis chapter 1. So we have all kinds of people running around, the beasts of the field, uh, the Adamites uh, were created male and female at the same time, okay, and they were being fruitful and multiplying, and so there are all kinds of Adamites running around the earth in Genesis chapter 1. And so Yahweh picked two Adamites, a male and a female, the man Adam, the woman Eve, to uh, upgrade their DNA to, with the Holy Spirit. He breathed his spirit into Adam in Genesis 2-7. So it's not unlike the non-seedliners who believe that there were only three people on the earth in Genesis chapter 2, namely Adam, Eve, and Nachash. Or, well, I don't know what they believe about what Nachash actually was. But uh, so uh, the idea that Adam and Eve uh, had... Uh, uh, what uh, anal intercourse or Adam had anal intercourse with some species? No, we don't teach that at all. We teach that there are all kinds of Adamites running around on the face of the earth when Adam and Eve were formed in Genesis two. That explains where where uh, what's his face Cain got his wife from when he was kicked out of the garden. Okay, so there, uh, the idea that there were only three people on the earth uh, is non-seed line and is part of the six-day creation scenario of most uh, most Christians. Okay, so we don't agree with that at all. So, yeah, so please continue. Yes, thank you. So, these fossils were not of some sim simpler forms of life, evolving gradually into complex forms. It is a known fact that many fossils come from a great catastrophic being uh, entombed in the strata instead of being slowly buried by sedimentation over millions of years, as is falsely assumed by the evolutionists. Anyway, yes. quote, we find proof of two universal floods on Earth 
one in Lucifer's day, that is from Genesis 1, verses 2, Isaiah 14, verses 12 to 14, Jeremiah 4, verses 23 to 26, 2 Peter 3, verses 5 to 7. And another is Noah's, and that is from Genesis 6, verses 11, um, 8 and 14. Um, no, that's, yeah, strange written, okay. Second Peter 2, verses 5. These two universal flaws are unequally different from each other. Right. Okay, so here I've got Jeremiah four twenty three. So Jeremiah is looking back into the ancient past. I beheld the earth, and I think earth is Eretz here. Yes, Eretz, okay, which is uh, simply land. And it, it doesn't mean necessarily the whole earth, but it can mean the whole earth. And lo, it was without form and void. And the heavens, and they had no light. Okay, so something happened that made the earth for, uh, uh, without form and void. I beheld the mountains, and lo, they trembled, and all the hills moved lightly. So uh, they were easily moved around by, by some catastrophe. I beheld, and lo, there was no man, which is Adam here, and all the birds in the heavens fled. So when did they flee? Uh, isn't Genesis 1 about the creation of all these species, not, not their fleeing from the earth or from whatever existed before Genesis 1, 2, verse 25? I beheld, and lo, there was no man, and all the birds in the heavens were fled. I beheld, and lo, the fruitful place was a wilderness. Okay, so the fruitful place had become a wilderness. I want to see what the verb is here. Midbar, sense of driving. Okay, so it was driven away. The fruitful place was driven away. And all the cities thereof were broken down. There were cities in the previous era, folks, broken down at the presence of Yahweh and by his fierce anger. Okay, so this is Jeremiah looking back into the past before the present age that we are living in. Okay, so uh, verse 27, one more. For thus hath Yahweh said, the whole land shall be desolate, yet will I not make a full end. All right, so uh, for this shall the earth mourn. <laughs> okay, all right, back to you into the document, please. Thank you. Thank you. Um, a cursory reading of Job 38 verses 8 makes it clear that the waters only did not cover the earth, but the waters did engulf the earth, dry land, much later on undoubtedly as a consequence of Lucifer's rebellion, which means during the creation week, God caused the dry land to appear again by shifting the waters to form uh, the seas. Only in this context can we interpret and understand Job 38, verse 8, wherein God asked Job, quote, Who shut in the sea with doors when it burst forth, as if it had issued out of the womb? End of quote. This was not the case at all, as such during Noah's flood. Okay, so it's as a reference a result, to... Yeah, let me just interrupt here quickly because last week I talked about the geological concept of Pangaea, which uh, uh, all mainstream geology has accepted as a fact that at one time all the all the continents were grouped together in one lump sticking out of the uh, ocean. Okay, 
and they refer to that as Pangaea. So if you look at a map of South America and Africa, and uh, they're separated by the Atlantic Ocean, of course, but if you look at those carefully, they look like they fit together like a puzzle piece, like puzzle pieces. And archaeologists have discovered that there were there are villages on the west coast, sorry, the east coast of South America, and villages on the west coast of Africa that have a very a great similarity, uh, suggesting that they were ripped apart at some point in in ancient times. Right. Well, my argument is that no, this happened around twelve thousand years ago. When, uh, when there was a great rift. And in fact, that great rift uh, of the Atlantic Ocean is still spreading apart by inches even today. So that we are still experiencing the after effects of this great rift even today. And, uh, the only difference is in the Northern Hemisphere where Atlantis sank, there was more land in the Northern Hemisphere, but that sank, and there you have a wider portion of the Atlantic Ocean in the North than you do in in the Southern Hemisphere. So uh, the geological history conforms to what, uh, uh, what's his name here, uh, Willie Martin is telling us. All right, back to you. So, um, as a result of the sea bursting forth from the womb or from its uh, pre-mortical uh, location, God decided again to fix a limit um, to it and uh, to it on the third day of the creation week. Quote, when I fixed my limit for it and set bars and doors when I said, this far uh, you may come, but no father and Herothel, you, you proud waves must stop and no quote. And that is from Job 38 verses 10 to 11. Okay, so, yeah, yeah, so, so it sounds like what Yahweh is saying, it sounds like he's speaking to uh, uh, Satan here that... Uh, you're you're not going to uh, transcend the boundaries that that like you did in the past. Your proud waves must stop here. So it sounds like he's fixing a limit to what uh, 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 Lucifer could do in the future. So Job, uh, Job thirty-eight verses ten and eleven. Back to you. Yeah. Okay. Such a command implies that the sea waters were in particular place in the womb and subsequently burst forth, engulfing the earth. Genesis 1 verses 2. This would not be the case if the earth was only covered with waters all over. No such command was ever given to the flooding waters to return back to their original locations during the universal flood of Noah's time. Instead, the waters gradually abated. Next, during the Lucifer, Lucifer's flood, according to Psalms 104, verses 5 to 9, the dry land of the original earth was fully covered. H.B. Casa, to conceal, by the that's a Hebrew word, I guess, Kasha, to conceal, by the deep. So also the waters, quote, stood above the m- mountains, quote, even as during Noah's flood. However, relevant scriptures do different uh, the two floods. But unlike Noah's 
Noah's flood, during which the waters gradually abated. Genesis 8, verses 9 to 13. During Lucifer's flood, as stated in Job 38, verses 10 to 11, God rebuked the engulfing waters to return to their original location. The flooding waters on God's rebuking, quote, fled at the voice of thy thunder. They hasted away. They go up by the mountains. They go down by the valley unto the place which thou hast founded. And the Hebrew word yasad, built up, set, uh, set. For them thou hast set a bound that they turn. The Hebrew word for turn is shub, uh, uh, to turn back, to return from where they came. Not again to cover the earth. End of quote. And that's okay, so, Psalms 104, 7 yeah. to 9. Okay, so this fits uh, very easily a uh, an asteroid or a comet hitting the earth. And uh, all of the geological evidence tells us that around 11,500 B.C., the core samples from ice in Greenland and other places on the Earth and uh, meteoric uh, particles uh, from that time, etc. Even Gobekli Tepe, which has been dated to around that same time. So we see that uh, civilization did come back after this great catastrophe. Uh, there's geological evidence that the Pacific Basin the crust of the earth is lacking, and that's why the Pacific Ocean is so much deeper than the Atlantic Ocean, and et cetera, et cetera. There's all kinds of geological evidence for a very, I'm talking a very great catastrophe happening around that time. And this would all be before Genesis 1-2, okay? So the, you, we have to reconcile the geological record with Scripture and only the gap theory can make such a reconciliation. However, if you just take Yom to mean an eon, as opposed to a literal 24-hour day, it's also possible to reconcile the geological record with Scripture. You know, the insistence that Yom must be a literal 24-hour day is simply a dogmatic uh, you know, feature of Judeo-Christianity, right? They haven't considered the meanings of these words at all. So I think the you know, the gap theory is actually uh, you know the the preferable one given the meanings of the words in Genesis chapter one two three and four. Okay, back to you. Okay, so the scriptures cited above, referring to the universal flood, do not refer to Noah's flood, which was to a large extent caused by um, torrential rains. These waters were not rebuked taken off, nor hastened away supernaturally in one day. Um, and this is Genesis 1, verses 6 to 12, Psalms 104, verses 7. Instead, these waters abated or uh, receded gradually and taken off in the course of several months through natural processes. Genesis 8, verses 1 to 14. Moreover, during Noah's flood, all the uh, aquid life could not have been destroyed. Fowls and animals were saved, and vegetation survived without much harm. Genesis 6, verses 20, and chapter 8, verse 17. Even when it remained totally submerged for many days. Okay, well, many, I'd say many centuries, actually. <laughs> Right. So it's not possible for the dinosaur era 
to have been obliterated during Noah's flood because it was not global. And the sediment uh, from Noah's flood did not cover uh, the entire earth. It only it was only a little bit of sediment left from Noah's flood. For example, the uh, moraines here in America, North America, and in Europe as well, those were uh, debris uh, piles pushed south in the northern hemisphere by the glaciers because after the great catastrophe of Genesis 1-1, then we had an ice age because the cloud cover from that catastrophe, we had a volcanic winter and uh, the sun hardly shone through all the all this you know, noxious clouds, right? So we had a, a volcanic winter, an ice age ensued, and the glaciers pushed all kinds of debris southward in the northern hemisphere. And we have evidence of that you know, at the Illinois-Wisconsin border, where you can actually observe all this debris. This debris was not covered by sediment from Noah's flood. It's still there, <laughs> right? Noah's flood was uh, was not global. It did not cover uh, all this geological evidence with sediment, as the young Earth creationists insist. No, it's you just go. You can see with your own eyes, and I'm sure it's true in Sweden and the rest of Europe as well, that these moraines are still there, not covered by sediment from Noah's flood, which occurred only like uh, 2,500 BC. It was a local flood. The 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 rain were glo- the deluge was global, but the flood was local and it m- more uh, d- devastating in the Mesopotamian area. Okay, so this is how the Bible has to be understood. So this is where they. Uh, uh, okay, one more comment. The when that asteroid hit the Earth, and Plato refers to it as a comet Phaeton, but he gives it a name Phaeton. This would ha- have disrupted Pangaea and broken it apart so that it, w- it would not be tidal waves. It would be, I'm sorry, would not be flood. It would be tidal waves. If an object that, that uh, uh, destroyed the Pacific Basin hit the Pacific Ocean, which would have been you know, one side of the earth would be all water and the other side would be this uh, great lump of ma- mass of earth on the other side. This would have created a tidal wave that would have gone around the earth probably several times before settling down. You know, like in a bathtub. When you sit in a bathtub, the water sloshes back and forth until you settle down, right? So this is what happened when that asteroid hit the earth. Okay, back to you. Thank you. So, as such, it could be conv- uh, convincingly stated that the flood of Noah lasted over a year. Yet vegetation was not destroyed. But yes. in Lucifer's flood, the fruitful place became a wilderness. Jeremiah 4, verses 3 to 26. New vegetations had to be planted, created, for the earth was totally desolate. And that is Genesis 1, uh, verse 11 to, uh, to 12, 2, verse 5, 8, and then verse 8 on to 17. And why, now, my, just a comment before I continue, I guess, why everything was destroyed uh, for Lucifer's stuff is that because he probably had mongolized everything, he had mixed everything. Right. So that's why, yes. I guess, he had to start all over. Right, and, uh, and another thing, uh, the Atlanteans, uh, Atlantis was destroyed. There's all kinds of evidence that Atlantis 
was a great technological civilization, highly advanced. They, they built the pyramids. The pyramids were here, and uh, there was a, a system, uh, a grid of pyramids all over the planet. The evidence of those pyramids is all over. There's in, in China, of course, in Egypt, in South America, these, these, and even in North America. The evidence of these pyramids is there. Who built them? And how long have they been there? So the the story that Plato gives, and I think it's Critias, about uh, Atlantis having sunk, uh, and it was a formerly great civilization. The proof of this is that both Egypt and Sumeria suddenly appeared, like out of nowhere, uh, in uh, full bloom as civilizations, highly advanced civilizations, with no archaeological evidence underlying the uh, you know, those civilizations. You, you dig down underneath uh, Sumeria, and you don't get evidence of a previous, uh, how should I put it, uh, you know, uh, primitive world, you know, like knuckle-dragging uh, 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 Neanderthals. There's no evidence of knuckle-dragging Neanderthals under Sumeria or under Egypt, okay? So, there's no evidence of that at all. They just appeared out of nowhere. All the archaeologists admit this, is that those two civilizations appeared out of nowhere. Where'd they come from? Well, they were the ones that uh, probably survived this catastrophe by living in caves, by maybe moving to the north where there was still sunlight coming through, and uh, toward the equator where a little bit of sunlight was able to come through as well, okay, because the, the uh, atmosphere is thinner at the equator. So there's a, 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 a detailed study uh, needs to be presented as how some life could have been preserved, but ver not very much, not very much at all. Uh, the Basque people of Spain insist that they are survivors of Atlantis. They, they trace their heritage back to Atlantis. Back to you. Thank you. Um... This proves that Lucifer's flood was on Earth longer than Noah's, and without doubt as judgment for a more serious rebellion. End of quote. End quote. We therefore conclude that Genesis 1 verses 1 to 2 proves a pre-Adamite world that was eventually destroyed in a worldwide flood, which necessitated the making of the present Adamite uh, world, so that the original purposes of God concerning the Earth Isaiah 45, verse 18, could be realized. End of okay. quote. All right, so it's, it's quite likely that the original Luciferian rebellion in heaven with the one-third of the angels accompanying Lucifer in the fall uh, was one event. And Yahshua uh, says, I beheld Lucifer falling, or Satan, falling from the sky like lightning. Okay, so when did this happen? Did, did this happen in our area, era or a previous era? And I think it's referring to this previous era to when he was given an opportunity to rule planet Earth to see if he can do so without uh, without corruption, right? Well, that didn't work out. And now uh, the book, uh, according to the book of Adam and Eve, Lucifer had to accept the idea that Adam and Eve would uh, would be... Uh, his replacement, his replacement. 
and that uh, even Paul says that angels, we, we will rule over angels when when the next era comes. So there's going to be another catastrophe, folks. It's called the Judgment Day, and after that, after the smoke clears from that, then the kingdom without corruption will finally have arrived. So we're, we're talking about three different ages here in Scripture. All right, back to you. Thank you. So, um, the Book of Stone, or um, Geological Science, has confirmed the existence of pre-Adamite life on Earth and its subsequent destruction by global flood. As such, uh, quote, by way of silent yet eloquent witnesses to the power, wisdom, and godness of the Creator, the sedimentary rocks uncovered by the geologists uh, tell us that the waters were filled with life, that fishes and uh, numerous aquatic animals of gigantic size and uh, curiously shaped once swarmed there. The amphibious animals disported themselves and birds, uh, extraordinary for size and kind, trod those ancient st- uh, sands and left their footprints behind them. End of quote. Leaving aside geological evidence, biblical evidence in itself confirms the truth of pre-Adamite life and its destruction. Not all biblical scholars are equally convinced about Luther's rule on on earth and of his subsequent rebellion, or that the chaos described in verses 2 is as a result uh, of his fall. Quote, as for the reference to the earth being waste and void, um, the Hebrew word is then Tua wa bua in Genesis one verses two. Yeah. It is For, not with, altogether. Yeah, without form yeah. and void. Yeah, it wasn't created that way. It became that way. That's how the book should yes. be read. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, because of our abstinence, I guess we weren't here. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. We we weren't around to mess it up, <laughs> but Lucifer was. No, not right. that time. <laughs> Right. Um, it is not altogether clear whether this was a subsequent and uh, resultant conditions after a prime uh, primal cat, cat, catastrophe, as some scholars understand it, uh, interpreting the verb hatha as uh, became rather than was. Those who construe hatha was as become understand this uh, to indicate a primal catastrophic possibility associated with the rebellion of Satan against God, as suggested by Isaiah 14, verses 10 to 11, end of quote. Uh, nevertheless, as explained as above, there is sufficient scriptural evidence to substantiate uh, sub, um, um, sub, uh, the existence of prehistorical, pre-Adamite life on the uh, prime, primal earth. As otherwise, the scriptures referred to above to account for the existence of pre-Adamite life cannot be convincingly explained with refer- reference to any events on earth in Adam's world subsequent to his fall. In other words, apart from any pre-historical, pre-Adamite biblical revealed gap of considerable length of time, the foregoing biblical and geological facts clearly portrays pre-Adamite events leading to um, primal catastrophic prior to Genesis 1 verses 3 cannot be historically accounted for. It is uh, impossible, both biblical and theological, to interpret and explain convincingly the uh, aforesaid events recorded in scripture as having any spiritual relevance. 
the same events cannot be uh, acc accumulated in any other historical period of the cosmos uh, or the world that has been until now and that has descended from Adam. Such lunacy uh, should lead one to formulate biblical oh, faith gap. That's la la lacunae is uh, it's, it's a Latin word meaning gap. <laughs> Such uh -huh. lacunae, yeah, okay. Thank you. Uh -huh. uh, by completely shedding away one's prevailing unholy bias toward the so-called gap theory. Okay. And that is the end. Yeah, so people need to take the gap theory seriously because the geological evidence demands that we take it seriously. And uh, the, the word studies regarding Genesis chapter 1 and 2 also demand it. You know, when you actually take a look at the words and what they mean and uh, how, how in fact this earth has come to have its present shape and form. Okay. So, uh, here, let me, um, go to, again, back to, uh, archive.org and let me copy this. And they actually, well, it doesn't seem to have the whole book. But the, the Secret of Atlantis by Otto Muck is must-reading for everybody. And if you can get a copy of it, you, know, you can buy it uh, online. And I put the link here, the Secret of Atlantis by Otto Muck. He was a German geologist and archaeologist who presents all the evidence of the fact that Atlantis did exist in the Atlantic Ocean before the Atlantic was an ocean, <laughs> right? And uh, or, or he says, or, or it was a large island between Europe and North America, okay? And he presents all the geological evidence that there, in fact, was a continent there at one time long ago. And this, this, this book, because it was written by a German during the Nazi era, has been totally covered up by, you know, mainstream archaeology, okay? And, uh, you know, of course, the Jews don't want us to know this stuff either, right? So uh, it's a very important uh, book uh, for – and he talks about the fact that there are total gaps in the geological record where there's zero fossils. There's layers of, ge of the geological record where there's no fossils. Well, this destroys the evolutionary theory – which says that uh, life had to gradually advance from very low to very high species. However, the, the fossil record shows that there were two major gaps in this record where there's nothing, or very, very little uh, you know, troglodytes, or no, I'm trying to think of the word. Anyway, these, these uh, sea creatures that have, tiny sea creatures that have shells, we, we know of the archaeological record by the remnants of these seashells, you know, and, and the shapes of these animals. But there's two layers in the geological record that have uh, life, evidence of life above and below, where nothing nothing lived, right? That, that's proof there were at least two major catastrophes in uh, in our history. But the, geo uh, the geologists and the evolutionists don't want to discuss this fact, Right. They want to pretend that these catastrophes never happened. So between the evolutionists and the six-day creationists, there is a real problem in uh, discussing the, the, the true history of the Earth. Okay, so we need to come to grips with the true history of the Earth. All right, folks. All right, so... Um,
uh, any comments from you, uh, Michael? I'm going to have to, since uh, we have uh, so much time left, I'm going to go to um, the, uh, again, the uh, Internet Archive and uh, find my article on the, uh, on the, uh, what's it, the, the, the literal descent of the two theories uh, from, uh, from Adam and Eve, the uh, Cain satanic seed line, right? And of yeah. course, the Adamic seed line, which is really the theme of the entire Bible, that those two seed lines are true and cannot be disputed when you actually do the word studies of those of those events, right? So uh, back to you for your yeah, uh, yeah and Sussexman, yeah, the, these these are wonderful links. The Secret of Atlantis is a, a must-have book. Uh, over to you. Yeah, just um, yeah, this uh, very intriguing just with the gap theory and that it's that is is also in is in scripture. There are are certain verses in embedded there that make that point clear, and also that 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 the flood also was said that for, uh, for um, Lucifer's uh, yeah, what his misdeed was it's covered everything. Everything was destroyed because probably he mixed everything like he does today again. People are mixing. We are mixing seeds. We are mixing plants, animals, everything again. Yeah. We are mongolizing the stuff. We were not given that right. Right. Yeah, and there's and also my, yes, oh, go ahead. Also, yeah. Eli, was that because I have this book in front of me? I have this um, this book from uh, Charles A. Weisman. We can also read an excerpt from that one about maybe Edom's revenge. Oh sure, yeah, yeah, yeah. Why don't uh, yeah, Edom's revenge? Yeah, that's what we're living under right now. Edom's revenge. Yeah, why don't you go there while I, I dig up the information from again uh, uh, the Internet Archive. On, uh, on the great catastrophe that hit the earth around 11,500 BC. Yeah, so continue with that, please. Yes, so this is from the book Who is Esau by Charles A. Wiseman, Chapter 7, Edom's Revenge. Esau Edom's continual and perpetual hatred and jealousy towards Jacob would inevitably be conveyed into action against him for revenge. That action of revenge would be directed against everything connected with Jacob, against his society, his civilization, his government, his life, his children's life, and against his God. Esau's war against Jacob, God's script assigns to Esau Edom, or the Edomites, the role of being a warlike people. This was revealed in Isaac's prophecy of Esau's in, uh, stating, quote, and by thy sword shall you live, end of quote. And that is from Genesis 27, verse 40. The sword is often used in scriptures as being symbolic for war and slaughter. Um, uh, this is per personified in the red horse of Revelations 6, verses 4, which signifies war and the ability to cause war. Who is uh, it that Esau Edom would want to use the sword uh, on or bring war upon? the one he hates and desires to take revenge on, that being Jacob Israel. It was Jacob that Esau desired to kill because Jacob had um, taken away the blessings and birthright from Esau. And he, Esau, said, It is not rightly named Jacob, for he has supplanted me these two times. He took away my birthright, and behold, now he has taken away my blessings. 
and he said, Have you not uh, reserved a blessings for me? And Esau hated Jacob because of the blessings were with his father blessed him. And Esau said in his heart, The day of mourning for my father are at hand, then will I slay my brother. And this is from Genesis 27, verses 36 and 41. Esau, a loss of both his birthright and blessings to Jacob, became the basis of a plot to kill his brother. At one time, Esau told his son to, quote, Take thy sword in thy hand and pursue Jacob and lurk for him and slay him with thy sword, end of quote. And that's from Jasher 29, verses 31. Esau was uh, angered uh, when uh, this plot failed. Years later, when Jacob entered into the land of Esau, he prayed to God to, quote, deliver me from the hand of Esau, for I fear him, lest he will come and smite me, end of quote. And that is from Genesis 32, verse 11. On hearing of Jacob's arrival, Esau raised 400 armed men to fight against Jacob, but... Quote, the Lord put fear and um, kindness to Jacob in the hearts of Esau and his men. End of quote. Jasher 32, verses 57. The first time that the descendants of Esau, the Amalekites, encounter Jacob's descendants, Israel. The, de the descendants of Esau, quote, fought against Israel without, uh, end of quote, without cause. And that is Exodus 17, verse 8. When the Israelites were in their journey in Canaan, they once again encountered Edomites. The Edomites refused to allow Israel's passage through their land and threatened um, to use the sword upon them. And Edom said unto him, Israel's ambassador, thou shall not pass by me, uh, lest I come out against you with the sword. End of quote. And that is from Numbers 20, verses 18. Right. Edom was an adversary and enemy of Israel throughout the Old Testament scriptures. When Saul was king of Israel, um, the Edomites were regarded as one of his enemies whom he had fought against in 1 Samuel um, 14, verse 47. They continued to be enemies against David, but eventually conquered the land of Edom, but put garrison in it, making, quote, all the Edomites uh, David's servants, end of quote. And that's from First Chronicles 18, verse 13. As it was foretold by God, quote, the elder Esau uh, shall serve the younger Jacob, end of quote. And that's from Genesis 25, verse 23. This was the natural order in God's plan for the world. Yes. Uh, okay. <laughs> All right. Yeah. So, the, to the extent that the nine seed liners and um, Wiseman, it was a non seed liner, he accepts the fact that Esau Edom is the enemy of true Israel. Okay. And that the Jews descend from Esau Edom and not from Israel. So, to that extent, the non seed liners agree with us. Okay. That there is a, a, an enmity between us and them. But they don't want to take it all the way back to Genesis 3.15, right? Where uh, the enmity was officially declared. So uh, I've just posted in the chat room uh, my analysis of how this global catastrophe happened and uh, what, what took place and how it relates to the enmity series. So, Michael, let me just ask you this. If... Uh, 
if the enmity was declared in Genesis 3, 14, and 15, why don't people ever talk about that, right? Why is that verse and the enmity, the hatred between the seed line of Adam and the seed line of Cain is declared there? Why don't any religious denominations ever talk about it? What, uh, what's because, going, what's going um, on? <laughs> yeah. the, uh, because Esau, Edom, the Jews, has infiltrated the churches and made sure that this will not come to surface. Because also, that is also, I guess, the... Um, why it's always this anti-hate, anti-hate, because they want to make sure that God, they, the Edomite, the Jews want you, us to think that God doesn't hate anybody. But that's this, right. this Judeo-Christian view, because if, if we see that God can hate someone, then that's maybe game over for them, um, that uh, they are wrong. That is why yeah. I believe this is not taught. This is not taught. And if they come to this verse, they have some very spiritual view about it, they they view it in a complete other way. They don't see it as flesh and blood. Right. Well, it's it's obvious from the two seed line point of view that the descendants of Cain have tainted DNA. Their DNA is so tainted that, that they cannot be redeemed. So when the Israelites went to attack Canaan land after the Exodus, Yahweh told them to destroy them all. Now, why would Yahweh be so so mean <laughs> to instruct the Israelites to wipe them out? And if you can't wipe them out, you know, just uh, drive them far and wide so that they can't be a nation ever again, right? Why would Yahweh do that? Because their DNA is tainted and they can't be redeemed, period. They can't be redeemed. You will never convert them to Christianity, dear Christians out there. It's not possible. And don't we have a record from the last 2,000 years since they crucified Christ? Yes, it was the Edomites who crucified Christ, not the house of Judah. Although there were plenty of Judahites who uh, you know, con- uh, cooperated with the Pharisees, not realizing what they were doing. And we've had 2,000 years, for example, the Catholic Church has tried to convert uh, Jews to Catholicism without success. Maybe they converted one or two Jews in all that time, right? So, uh, you know, is there any evidence that, that Jews can be converted to Christianity? No. Everything no. they have, everything they teach in the Talmud is contra A to the Bible. They always mock it. They always try to test it. They always, all this comes from them. They, they yeah. hate it within their, yeah, their blood. It, within their blood. It's genetic, folks. This is ge- a genetic hatred and what do you think they're trying to do to our genetics today michael what what do you think this is all about you know covid and mrna injections what do you think that's all about i think it's about to to tampering the dna so when when yeshua messiah comes back oh uh, well you i didn't create cyborgs i didn't create mongols i didn't create mixed people i didn't come for you he wants people to this is a way to mix us away i think this is a way of uh, yeah um of mixing people away they want to destroy our dna the jews want to yes. destroy our dna period that's what this is all about folks all right so uh i just put a link in to uh uh the global catastrophe 
on the Internet Archive. And praise Yahweh for the Internet Archive because these articles have been preserved there and and probably nowhere else except on my hard drive, (laughs) which I haven't been able to put up on the the new version of Anglo-SaxonIsrael.com. We'll be putting those up in the near future, folks. But uh, on that article, if you and I put it in your uh, Skype chat also, Michael. So if you if you open up that document and scroll down to the story of Atlantis, which is very similar to what Willie Martin has proposed in his article, and I'll just pick it up here in the first couple of paragraphs. Another idea that is fatal to the evolutionary fable is the legend of Atlantis. The legend of Atlantis suggests that a continent with a highly advanced civilization once existed where the Atlantic Ocean now resides. That Atlantis was destroyed by a major cataclysm is also part of the legend. So the evolutionists are apt to suppress research into ancient civilizations, right? Isn't that what the the, the academic establishment does? They suppress investigation into ancient civilizations? Yeah, and they want to make it uh, safer. I guess many in, in your in America, many of your sites, they say they are they are what they are sacred to the Indians. Say that it's there, but it's manufactured right. against our people. It's the Celt, the the one yeah. that did move there during the time of uh, yeah Solomon's reign and during during uh, when we had the, um, uh, when uh, this right the, was uh, spreading ships. across the world from from out from Jerusalem and from Carthage. Yeah, and came to America. They did come to America, and there's all kinds of evidence. Uh, the uh, the Ten, Ten Commandments stone in uh, New Mexico, written in Paleo Hebrew, it still exists there, folks. You know, from time immemorial, nobody knows how long ago that was put there, and it's in Paleo Hebrew. So it was there before we even discovered Paleo Hebrew existed, right? Nobody. It it, it took a, a while before Paleo Hebrew was diagnosed in Europe. You know, by uh, by archaeologists and linguists, and then lo and behold, there's this stone in New Mexico that's written, the Ten Commandments written in Paleo-Hebrew. How about that, folks? Okay, so it, it proves that our people were here in America long before anybody, long before Columbus discovered America, put it that way, right? <laughs> All right, and then Kennewick Man. Kennewick Man is a a Caucasian skeleton in Kennewick, I forget if it's uh, Oregon or Washington, that was, you know, the the river shifted and exposed this skeleton. And that skeleton was of a Caucasian male dated back to 8,000 B.C. Okay? And the Jews and the academics tried to prevent the analysis of this skeleton because it, it blew apart the theory that America belongs to the Indians no, the white man was here first. Why? Because the Atlantis civilization covered the whole earth. It covered the whole earth before this great catastrophe. Okay? So, uh, let me continue here. So, the the modern academics and, of course, the Jews want to prevent discussion of ancient civilizations for two reasons. One, because their interpretation of the subhuman or prehuman nature of the cave dwellers has been sold as part of the steady advance of evolution. Okay, so that the knuckle-dragging cave dwellers, uh, you know, they they lived in caves, and they they came out of the caves, and then they started civilization, 
by killing dinosaurs and eating dinosaur meat, right? That, that's basically the evolutionary theory. And two, the factual existence and subsequent decline of a highly advanced civilization many thousands of years ago raises the question of how many such advances and declines have there been in prehistory, and there have been many. They don't want anybody thinking this way. Even more billions of years of evolution would be necessary once such catastrophes and prehistoric civilizations are conceded. The uniformitarian presuppositions are up for grabs once the uniformitarian model is shown to be defective. So uniformitarianism is the geological argument before these catastrophes were eventually admitted by the geological community that, uh, no, there were no catastrophes. That's uniformitarianism. There were never any catastrophes. The Earth has slowly uh, evolved from the, the this prehistoric state to the present without catastrophes. That used to be what was taught in the college textbooks, Michael. They don't teach it anymore. Why? Because the geological evidence of these catastrophes is overwhelmingly obvious. Okay? So you want to pick it up in the next paragraph? The scientific establishment? Uh, yes, I can do. I can do. Yeah, so, okay. Oh, there's a bit more effect there. <laughs> yeah. uh, the scientific establishment has done its utmost to suppress the legend, but the legend won't go away. The reason it won't go away is because the legend is true. The archaeological, ge geological, and even uh, both uh, botanical evidence. Botanical evidence. Yeah. Uh, all tell the same story. The Earth has endured many uh, planetary catastrophes. One uh, ca uh, catastrophe, in particular, almost wiped out all human life. The consensus uh, of the ca catastrophes is that this catastrophe happened around the year uh, 10,500 BC. This was not Noah's flood. Noah's flood happened around 3,200 BC. Unlike the 10,500 BC event, Noah's flood did relatively little damage to the planet. In fact, virtually all known civilizations that existed before the flood survived it. There are over 800 stories of this flood from various widespread cultures and tribes in many different languages. And anthropologists and historians have all recorded that for flung indigenous people uh, had these stories um, before we well traveled white man arrived on the scene so it is not true that these cultures copied um, the myth from one central source the myth is a worldwide and ancient phenomenon um, universally recorded uh, by every culture yes and uh, even the spanish when they uh, invaded well, south america the uh, monks of the, uh, the the Spanish Catholic Church thought that they were giving the uh, indigenous uh, South American people uh, a new story for them when they told them about Noah's flood. And so when they started talking about the great flood, uh, the indigenous people said, oh, wait a minute, we know about that, <laughs> right? Yeah, we have that in our records, too, that there was a local flood in our area, but it was not as, as bad as it was in Mesopotamia, right? So they, the monks were absolutely surprised that they knew about some ancient flood, okay? So they were confused as to how they should proceed, right? Nevertheless, the Bible tells that story, so they just continued informing them. Well, the Bible tells that, too, okay? All right, 
please continue. Yeah, and that kind of also acts like um, uh, more witnesses to this happening, the Noah's flood. I mean, this even if people say, because it's like the stones crying out about this and witnessing about this was only then local also. So it's kind of amazing how Yahweh works with his, how he, how he, he foisters the events, how he do, do, does it. It's so amazing. Yes. And he had some humor, I can tell you. Because right. I can just have an example in my life. Uh, because I, it was on a song in my, when I was on the gym. It was, uh, I don't remember, it was a song called, uh, I didn't know the name on the song. But I, okay. also then the day after, I was singing on it. Because it stuck okay. in my brain. Yeah, stuck right. in my brain. Then someone wrote to me on Gad, wrote a lot of, uh, a lot of comments, a lot of, uh, uh, he gave me basically... Like he, he tagged me and one other and okay. having a lot of scriptures and then had a song. And the song was this Belinda Carlesius, Heaven is a Place on Earth. Oh, okay. Aha, there is the music I have been listening to, but I didn't know it. <laughs> yeah. Yes, heaven is a place on earth. That's how the song goes. Yeah. Right. Exactly mm. that one. But I didn't know it during when I was going and singing upon it during my during my whole day yesterday. But then when I got this one, aha, there's the song. And you, and you, but, and you couldn't get it out of your mind, <laughs> right? No, apparently yeah. not. Apparently yeah. not. Okay. Yeah. So that was kind of amazing how he works in, in small stuff, in big stuff, how he just makes his presence known, I guess. Yes, right. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so please okay. continue. Yeah. I will continue. So, it is important to understand that we are talking about two separate... Oh, wait. I didn't read that. Yeah. What did I? No, I yeah. think you're picking up a right uh, It's one I should read. Okay, sorry. Um, it is important to understand that we were talking about two separate catalysts, not one. Sometimes the Atlantis story is also referred to as a flood. That is because the sinking of Atlantis caused the normal tidal waves to... Um, um, Circumnavigate. Circumnavigate. Yeah, yeah, Magellan did that later. <laughs> he circumnavigated the planet. Yeah, back to you. Tidal waves can ap approach a height of 100 feet with storm surges going much higher as uh, the wave uh, washed up in, uh, into uh, steep river valleys. Uh, conceding the probability uh, that the majority of the world's population lived near the seashore and inland along the rivers. Those who survived such an event refer to it as a flood. Within Christian identity, we often refer to two floods. I intend to show that um, the first of these two floods was actually a global tsunami. Some of those who write about the flood fail to distinguish between these two separate events. Thus, uh, Prehistory and history are um, uh, commingled and uh, con condensed into an impossible scenario, such as creationism, uh, which cannot explain how human relics appear far beneath the 4000 BC strata. Creationists uh, teach that the earth and everything in it is a mere 6000 years old. Failure to understand that we are dealing with two separate events, 7000 years apart leads to nothing but confusion. Um, to add considerable intrigue uh, to our dilemma, both the creationists and the evolutionists, in my opinion, have been hired by our adversary to intentionally distort history. 
so that we are unable to make sense of the past. Our adversary does not want us to understand our past. He is afraid that if we do, we white people might awake from our scriptural and historical amnesty. Uh, this is why the false uh, uh, dichotomy. 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 Yeah. Uh, yeah, between, between science, science and, and religion exists because our adversary wishes to distract us with fables that have no bearing on true history, archaeology, science, or the Bible. The more time we waste arguing across the um, aisles uh, over this false uh, dichotomy, uh, the more powerful the adversary becomes. It is all part of this divide and conquer strategy. Yeah, amen. That's what it's about. Right. I will do my best in this essay to correct their errors. Yeah. Now, I did a, a series when uh, we were on talk show. So this would be around 2007, 2008, where I uncovered uh, a researcher who, it turned out, he was very popular in the academic world teaching evolution. But then he also uh, was a preacher teaching creationism, but he assumed a different name while he was teaching creationism. So this one guy was playing both both audiences, but at, at universities he was teaching evolutionism, and in churches he was teaching creationism. Okay? Which shows you can play to both audiences. <laughs> and he did this for a while until somebody figured, hey, wait a minute. Didn't I see you teaching at a church? And didn't I see you teaching evolution at this university? And uh-oh, <laughs> his con game was uh, was exposed. Okay, so let me pick it up with the first flood here. The legend of Atlantis has been preserved in Plato's Critias. I will occasionally make reference to that work to show that it is essentially an our accurate story of what happened 9,000 years before Plato. Therein... Atlantis is described as having existed beyond the pillars of Hercules, because he was located in Greece, that is, out toward the Atlantic Ocean. That is, beyond the Strait of Gibraltar in the Atlantic Ocean. To make the story credible, it must be shown that planet Earth was once a much different place in the year 11,000 BC. The cave dwellers have left us drawings of many of the now extinct animals that existed then. The Earth was in the grip of an ice age which forced most animal life toward the equator. For the existing species, all of this changed dramatically in the year 10,500 B.C., as archaeology and geology clearly demonstrate. According to Otto Muck in his book, The Secret of Atlantis, our planet was hit by a gigantic asteroid in or around that year. This asteroid was so huge that its impact not only sunk Atlantis, it nearly destroyed everything on this planet, so thorough was the devastation. On impact, the continent that was Atlantis sustained a direct hit, a blow that drove most of it underwater. Having pushed a continent underwater, the Earth's crust buckled and heaved around the whole perimeter of what is today the Atlantic Ocean, causing earthquakes and volcanic eruptions to occur where tectonic plate met tectonic plate, and where continental shelf met continental shelf. The tidal wave caused by this impact pushed south past South America and Africa, sweeping around both capes into the Pacific, 
west from South America and east from Africa, inundating all coastal areas on the planet, drowning millions of inhabitants. It would also ha- and re- there's the legend of Lemuria too, which was a civilization in the Pacific. West from South America and east from Africa, inundating all coastal areas on the drowning millions of inhabitants. That's why they refer to it as a flood. It would also have pushed north through the North Sea, over the North Pole, and drown and down across the Pacific Ocean, drowning uh, from the north. Thus, the two tidal waves would have met somewhere in the middle of the Pacific. We can only guess how high these tidal waves might have been. So, the evidence... Michael, shows that in the North Sea, uh, in Siberia, the you still have frozen mammoths, uh, frozen instantly uh, having the uh, lilies in their mouths that they were eating at the time. And uh, archaeologists or, or some people who just you know, saw, hey, there's something underneath the ice here. It looks like a mammoth, right? So they dug the mammoth out. And the meat was so instantly frozen that they were able to eat the meat of the mammoth and they found the food in its mouth still, okay? There's only one way this could have happened is if that territory was once a lush tropical paradise and then it was flash frozen by this tidal wave and the immediate freezing of the earth creating the ice age, okay? So this is this is history dug up in Siberia, but you never hear anything about it in mainstream media or in the textbooks because they don't want to admit that this catastrophe happened. Okay? So any question at at this point? We have about 10 minutes left. And one comment also that they always want to say in geological, in those events, that everything happens gradual. It takes so long time. So long time. But when you see it as this... This shows contrary. That is the opposite. It happens very suddenly and very quick. Yeah. Well, well, isn't it interesting that all of a sudden global warming is catastrophic, right? Aren't they pretending there's a catastrophe happening right now? Yeah. Now, it's, it's, yeah. It's manufactured something that when when yeah. you are more carbon dioxide outside, you will the our plants everything will grow better. We get more more oxygen out. It's just better. Yeah. So they've changed their tune from gradualism to catastrophism to, to suit their yeah. purposes, right? So, yeah, but it never happens. This is just yeah, right. more. Yeah. The catastrophe is in our minds, folks. Uh, created by Al Gore. That book he wrote about you know the great catastrophe and the uh, the uh, the uh, uh, ice uh, Antarctica and and uh, the Arctic melting and flooding coastal it hasn't happened. Yeah, we're we're no. uh, thirty years later, nothing like that has happened. Okay, so uh, again, yeah. it's pure fiction. All right, so let me continue. Yeah. Uh, were yes, you reading or was I? I, mean, I forget. <laughs> yeah, go ahead. Yeah. Uh, I guess also this would they say gradual everything. Also, when you list some commentary about our society, it's gradual, yeah, going down. That this the system you live in now, Mr. Babylon, will be gradually go to ground. But in the Bible, they say it will be very instantly go to. That also is something they say it will go very fast when when this Mr. Babylon system just collapses. It won't be a gradual decline. I believe. Mm-hmm. I think that is said. It's like a stone thrown in water. Yes, yes. Yeah, so we've got all kinds of evidence, geological and archaeological, which is documented in this book, The Secret of Atlantis. Uh, 
It is by far the best book on Atlantis ever written because it approaches the subject from geology and archaeology, giving the actual evidence of the the fact that there was a, a continent called Atlantis that was existed in what is now the Atlantic Ocean. So let me continue here. Since this flood was actually a global tidal wave, I will refer to it as such or as a tsunami. This, this seismic tsunami was a true mass extinction event. All right. Mass extinction event. This is what the geologists, the terminology geologists use today after denying mass extinction. Well, the, the evidence is clear. There was a mass extinction event that killed all the dinosaurs. So was, was this a gradual extinction? How can you preserve the bones of dinosaurs if it wasn't sudden? Right, it had mm-hmm. to be sudden. Yeah. Okay, yeah. otherwise the bones would have deteriorated before they were preserved, right? It has to be a catastrophe. It's only logical, all right? So, let's continue. On impact, the continent that was Atlantis sustained a direct hit, a blow that drove most of it underwater. Having pushed the continent underwater, the Earth's crust buckled and heaved, etc., etc., okay? And uh, we see that we can only guess how high these tidal waves might have been. So let's continue. Thus, this mass extinction event, and they use the term, that's a geological term now. This MEE is distinguished from Noah's flood, which was actually more local in character than the 10,500 BC impact event. Ultimately, this information will help us see Genesis chapter 1 in an entirely new light, not as a creation story, but as a survival and recreation story. And this is the argument of all of the you know, gap theorists. So there was another era, and Genesis one uh, from one, verse two on is talking about a recreation event. It says that we uh, the the planet was reseeded, or you know, re replenished, not plenished. It was replenished. Okay, it wouldn't use the word replenish if this was the first time. Okay, so Yahweh had to install another white race, okay, which we call Adam. The previous one was the Atlanteans, and who were very similar to us. You know, all the evidence uh, suggests from the pre-flood world, from the pre-10,500 BC record, that there were white people there. In fact, all the all the races existed in those days. But that Yahweh had to recreate our species and the other species in Genesis chapter 1. Okay, so let me just read here because we only have about four minutes left. In the introduction to The Secret of Atlantis, Peter Tompkins summarizes Muck's thesis with these words, quote, According to the evidence, a cataclysmic event brought about the end of the last geological era and ushered in the present. In one terrible day and night, so goes the charge, a rift was opened up in the Atlantic bottom from Puerto Rico to Iceland into which the island of Atlantis, 400,000 square miles of mountains, fertile plains, and tropical fruit land as Elysian as Hawaii was dropped 3,000 meters to be submerged in boiling magma. Well, I don't think it got submerged in boiling magma because uh, there's evidence uh, that thinks uh, Two miles beneath the surface of the Atlantic uh, Ocean, there is a flat plain down there, and they've discovered pyramids down there. Okay, let me continue. 
quote, great tidal waves, asphyxiating gases, and a blanket of lava are said to have extinguished all life, leaving nothing but a mysterious widening of the Mid-Atlantic Ridge with nine small islands, the tips of the mountains that had once risen higher than Mount Blanc, our present Azores. It put an end to Eden. <laughs> he refers to it as Eden. This is Peter Tompkins, author of The Secrets of the Great Pyramid. Again, the great the pyramids have been shown to exist well before 10,500 B.C. as well. Okay, Of course, the biblical Eden came later as the planet Earth was recovering from the mass extinction event. Nor was all the life extinguished. There were survivors, which the textbooks call cavemen. The old myths, and, and uh, we have drawings of uh, pictures of these cavemen. For example, from 8000 BC, there's a drawing of a, a, a white woman wearing what looked like a, a buckskin uh, dress. And uh, she looks like a, a typical white woman you would see today, you know, a, a petite figure with, you know, a straight nose and, uh, you know, slim hands and slim arms. There, no, there was no evolution for, right, from from 8000 BC to the present. There's no document evolution anywhere. It's all a fable. Okay, so let's continue. Indeed, I will show toward the end of this chapter that Yahweh himself must have been angry with the sins of a once mighty technologically advanced colonial empire, complete with stories of flying machines, submarines, and sophisticated science that had degenerated into slavery, genetic engineering, and race mixing. So this has all happened once before. What's your favorite saying, Michael? There's nothing new. Under the sun. <laughs> yeah, right. This has all happened before. But fortunately, folks, this is the last time it's going to happen. At this time, the Judgment Day will see to it that all of this evil is destroyed and it will never happen again. But it will happen at least one more time. Unfortunately, we see this history repeating itself again today as our civilization is showing the same signs of degeneration that caused the destruction of Atlantis. And, of course, this kind of degeneration occurred just before Noah's flood as well. That's why Yahweh had to bring in Noah's flood. As Yahshua said, it shall be as in the days of Noah, the judgment day, and we are seeing all of this degeneracy and upheaval, societal upheaval, evil, you know, uh, race mixing, uh, yeah, war, rumors of war, etc. It's hap all happening again today, folks. Okay. Okay, Michael, I think we can end here. Uh, thanks for listening, everybody. Glad we're back on the air on my laptop. It looks like we're good to go from now on. And uh, folks, uh, yeah, any, any final words for you, Michael? No, but I think it's uh, the finest. This is very intriguing because this is nothing has been taught here in Sweden. When it's in Sweden, there I have not came upon any uh, Something oh. like this. So this is very good if you get it out. So it's very good. Yes. The Secret of Atlantis, a, a, a very valuable book. Everybody should read it. Okay, folks, thanks for listening. Praise Yahweh, pass the ammunition. Thank you, Michael, and Yahweh bless everybody. Yahweh bless you.
Okay, and if we're still on the air, my guest on uh, Voice of Christianism will be Alfred Schaefer. Okay, so stay tuned for that later today. Thank you for all for listening. Praise Yahweh, pass the ammunition. Bye-bye.